Hello, and thank you for joining the North Point Church Lutes podcast. We're excited that you found us, and we pray that you'll come back often and listen again and again. Each week, we upload the content preached in one of the North Point Church services here in Lutes, and we pray that you'll come back and listen and marinate on what it is that God was teaching us. The more that these messages get into your heart, the more that you have the opportunity to be obedient and allow them to change your life. We believe that God is real and His Word is true, and that has the power to change your life. So let's lean in together and see what it is that God has in store for you today. Man, things change on God's authority. Do you believe that? He's the only one that has the authority. He's the only one that has the power to do that. And, uh, and also, He can take out smudges of glasses so I can actually see, see you people. He has the power and he has the authority. He is the, he's the only one. This morning we're going to talk about an invisible power, and that invisible power is his, his prayer. I can't see it. I can hear it, but I can't see it. I can pray it, but I, I can't actually see what it's doing, and I wish I could. I wish I could see its, its product. I wish I could see its activation, but I know by reading God's Word and by the authority of God's Word that prayer is powerful. It's invisible, but it has power. And somehow or another, when I pray, when you pray, your words have the power to leave your lips and somehow leave the room or the building that you are in. As we prayed just moments ago, my, my, my words, as we're praying for Rob and as we're praying for the people around us, is that those words were leaving this building somehow penetrating the ceiling and, and, land, and going into heaven and, and making it to the ear of God and into his, into his heart. It's crazy. It, it, it just blows me away. And by God's authority, if it pleases him and his will, he can give the word and bring about change. How beautiful is that? King David says in Psalms 18, verse 6, describing this very thing that I'm just explaining to you. He says, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. And he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. He's saying the very same thing in Scripture. So it's not just some metaphorical thing I'm trying to explain. Our prayer somehow or another reached the ears of God and the heart of God. James tells us, James chapter 5, verse 16, he says that our earnest prayers, our fervent prayers, those aren't just haphazard prayers. These are prayers that we pray in earnest, fervently, from a righteous person. The earnest prayer of a righteous person it has great power and produces wonderful results. Your prayer, when prayed earnestly from a position of righteousness, meaning your sins are confessed, you have been forgiven of your sins, you are brought to a place of righteousness with God, God sees you as righteous because of what His Son has done for you, forgiven you of your sins, you come to him and, and in a place of righteousness and you, and, and you pray to him in earnest and fervency and you say, Lord, and, and, and 
he hears you, and that prayer has the opportunity to have great power and produce wonderful results. When we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in accordance to God's will, and by the authority of God, one word from him can unleash incredible great power to accomplish wonderful results. Wow. Bible says that prayer works. Do you believe prayer works? Would you believe that prayer is really something that is a tool in your toolbox that works? The real question is, I guess, that's almost a person, more personal question I want to propose to you today is, do you think prayer really works for you? Because you may say from a Christian perspective or a church answer that, yeah, prayer works. Oh, yeah, prayer works. I get it. Prayer works. I'm a Christian. Or I'm a church person. I'm in church. I got to say, prayer works. But, but does prayer really work for you? Do, you? do you have a shelf to put that on? Do you have a place in which you can draw on in your life uh, of personal experience where you would say, I have seen f- by faith and through experience prayer actually at work? Or are you a little skeptical? Because either you completely agree that prayer works or you, uh, and you're 100% bought in because by faith and by experience, you've actually seen this work in your life. And I pray that many of you experience that. Or but some of you may just be thinking, I want to say that, but I don't know if I have enough personal experience to link my prayer to the causation of God's answers. Because if you're being honest, maybe you've even thought about this, especially if you're young and you wrestle with kind of learning, kind of developing your faith. And because, and, 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 you know, when you're younger, your, your parents, you're, you kind of learn from your parents' faith. But as we get older, you begin to develop your own faith. And so there's this kind of point in time where you're like, okay, so when I pray, you know, God says that we ask and then, you know, if, if I abide in you, and if I abide in him, and he abides in me, then I ask, and it shall be done. And so I pray, and then and sometimes I actually see things happen. But there are times that when I pray, I don't see things happen. So what's up with that? There's other times that I don't pray, and I see things happen. And there's times when I don't pray, and I don't see things happen. And so sometimes I pray and things happen. Sometimes I don't pray and things happen. Sometimes I don't pray and things do happen. You know, it's like, so when you're trying to really process and navigate this prayer work, if you're being honest, there can be times where you can be a little cynical or you can be skeptical. And until you have a, a spiritual shelf to put it on where you've really directly linked your faith into experience and linked the causation of your prayer to God's faithfulness and to the power and your fervency in prayer, God's power and the great results, and you realize, wow, this is actually God's thread working through this, where it builds your faith, there's something in you that, that can still find itself to be skeptical. So that's why I'm asking, do you think prayer works for you? And so if I was to put you on the spot, I think everyone in the room would say, yeah, prayer works for me, totally works for me. Because you'd be embarrassed to answer any other way. 
But I'm getting ready to make a statement that I think might trouble each one of us, or at least to a degree. And it's intentional. And I want you to hear from a heart that loves you. I'm not trying to be mean. But when I say this, when I say this sentence, it's going to reveal something in you, potentially, about your prayer life that may be telling about what you really believe about prayer. And it's this. If you struggle to find consistency in your prayer life, meaning if, if your prayer life doesn't have consistency, like you, you don't have a time where you're like, I, I, I have dedicated, unhurried, quality time with God, like where he is an utmost priority, nothing gets in the way of that, where I, I, really, I really focus to try to make sure that God gets my time because he's so important to me. If you struggle to find a consistency in your prayer time, this may mean that you're not 100% convinced that prayer works for you. Or it means that you're self-reliant to some degree and you're only going to bring things to God that you don't think you can handle. <laughs> Did you hear that? You see the subtle difference of this? Like, I believe prayer works. But if you really, really, truly believe that prayer works and that God is absolutely, I mean, if he is, if he is absolutely 100%, like the guy, the, the, the guy that he's in control of everything, like your life decisions, your choices, the direction, the behaviors, I mean, the, your wisdom, discernment, everything that's in your life as, as a parent, as a leader, as a father, as a, I mean, as, as everything that you deal with. If God is truly all that and you truly believe, why wouldn't you want to seek him like on a regular basis? Why wouldn't there be something that's like so important to you that you're drawing to it and that nothing should get in the way of that? And so either, either, it's not, either you don't really fully believe that it's, a, it's that important or it works that efficiently or that well, or there's a self-reliance issue. They're like, you know what, I, I pretty much manage my life for the most part. And then there's certain things when they're at this level that I'm going to have to make sure I call God in for. And I think for most of us, I think for the most part, it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. I think for many of us, we find self-reliance to be our biggest challenge. Because we go to God for certain things often especially when they're big and when they're heavy and when they're hard. You see, we go to God when we need him to do something for us. When we're faced something where the roads diverge and I need God to go this way, especially I need this job and I need this provision and I need this girl to marry me, you know, or whatever it is you're dealing with. I'm married, so I don't, I don't that wasn't me, I mean, that was a personal... <laughs> But Steve Campbell says that prayer is not trying to manipulate God into doing your will. Its goal should be for you to discern and to do the will of God. So it's not like I'm trying to get God to do my thing. It's for me to understand God's will and then adjust myself to what God wants me to do. That's the proper way that we pray. That's what we see Jesus modeling when he's praying in the garden. He's like, not my will, but your will. He's, he's adjusting himself to the will of the Father. 
And as Christians, it's, you know, we've all have experience, and it's easy for us to pray for wisdom and for counsel and for discernment. I, I pray for help. I pray for comfort. I pray for peace. I pray for emotional restoration. I pray for God to heal me physically and, and give me mental uh, restoration and for his protection. I, I pray for him to protect my family. I pray for him to do all these things in, with inside of me, right? You have that. The same, the same kind of thing that you and I pray for, his provision. But there are times that you and I are going to face really, really big challenges, really big things, heavy things, weighty issues, those things that, that um, are not things that I can just get through. Like, like if, if I'm dealing with an issue where I need peace, at the end of the day, I, I will say that God will grant me peace. But I don't know how much peace will God will give me, but at the end of the day, I can suck it up, right? And just like, oh, I got peace. Yeah, he gave me peace. I'm still a little freaked out, but yeah, I mean, God gave me peace. He gave me comfort. I mean, I'm still a little stressed out, but I'm, yeah, thank God he gave me comfort. He gave me provision. I'm still stretching to make things work, but man, God provided. I have all I need, right? I mean, I mean, that's why I'm saying some of you can be skeptical, right? I mean, is God your provider? Yes. And some of you are thinking, I'm taking, I'm stretching a penny as far as it can go. And so remove those just for a moment, because in some of our minds, we can start justifying and putting coincidences and all that stuff there, but there's some things in your life if God didn't show up and fix that, there's just like, there is like an A or B option. There's like a life or death situation. There is like a, I'm homeless or I'm not homeless situation. There is like, this is going to happen illegally or not. This is like, I mean, you get me? These are like big mogul situations. We're facing that in my family. Cancer is like huge. Maybe you're dealing with a chronic illness like we are. We're using God to show up in a really, really big way, to remove a mountain, to remove an obstacle, to heal a disease. You're faced some, some Red Sea moment, and there's no way around it. If the door doesn't open, if, if there isn't some new highway that's formed, like you're sunk. God's got to show up. This is where you need God to do something the most. And it's actually where you're probably the most fearful that he won't. Because if he doesn't, then what? Then what happens to your faith? Then what do you tell your kids? Then what do you tell everybody else? Mark Batterson is famous in his book, Circle Maker. He says, if your prayers aren't impossible for God, well, then you're just insulting God. I appreciate the challenge that that brings to us, but in those impossible prayers where I need God to show up in those gigantic ways, it's those times that that question is, do you really believe in prayer that really amplify and force you to really <laughs> have to put the big boy pants on and go, okay, God, do I really believe that you're capable of doing this? Because we all have platforms in which we live. For me, I, 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 I'm on this platform. I am a, a pastor. I am a father. I am a husband. And we are praying as a family for God to do a miracle in terms of healing a disease that doctors say can't be fixed. That's a pretty big thing to say we're praying for God to do. And we believe by faith that God has the power to do it. 
And as long as we have the faith to say that, we have to still preach to our doubt that what if he doesn't? Then what? How do we navigate the platform? How do we navigate the husband and wife relationship? How do we as a family navigate those things? And we can either try to solve the circumstance that we aren't faced in today, or (laughs) we can by faith go, you know what, that's not something we need to worry about. We by faith just need to trust God. But you see, God is the only one, and by his authority and his power, is the only one capable of doing in my life what I need him to do. He's the only one capable in your life of doing what he needs to do. He's the only one capable of providing Rob Shorey a a kidney. He's the only one capable of solving whatever it is that you're dealing with. He's the only one trustworthy. He's the only one with the power. He's the only one with the authority. And sometimes we're so caught up into, well, what happens if? And what, what if God doesn't show up that we're afraid to pray the big prayer? We're afraid of what if God doesn't, and we're afraid to look foolish, and we're afraid of what happens next. I wonder what Elijah must have felt like when he was standing on that mountain with the prophets of Baal, when he was standing there in 1 Kings 18, I think, and, and he's, he's saying he's going to call down fire from heaven. It hasn't rained in forever, and he's, they're dumping water on his sacrifice, and you know, on the altar, rather, and he's just like, here we go. I mean, this is, if God doesn't show up, talk about egg on your face, right? And so I don't know what you're dealing with, what your impossible-sized issue right now that you're facing and what's at stake if the audacious, impossible prayer that you're praying doesn't come through. But I can promise you this, as long as your hope and trust is in God, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, the provider, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, you have your hope placed in the right place. And you pray like crazy that he's going to come through for you. But you can't guarantee that he will in the way that you want. And as we mature in our faith and our knowledge, you and I will begin to reconcile some things about God. Understand, as we mature in our faith, but also our knowledge of God and our knowledge of him and his words, such an important piece. Our faith is not just experiential based upon our feelings. Our our faith is based upon our knowledge of God, who he is in his attributes, and our knowledge of what we learned about him in his word. These are two hugely important things that we must understand. It's not just about an experiential faith that we have. I just untied this packet of stuff, so that's all going to fly down. So it's not just about this experiential thing that we have. It's not just about feelings, because feelings will totally betray you and wreck you. So when you're dealing with something huge like this, and we're praying huge prayers, Satan would love for you to be wrecked by whatever it is that God chooses to do or not to do. Because I know this, is that God has the power and the authority to answer your situation and your prayer, and you know that. You also know that, that uh, God's thoughts are not like your thoughts. He, you know that his ways are not like your ways. And you know that God totally can intervene anytime that he wants in your current situation. You know he can do it, and you pray that he will, and you trust, and you hope, and you believe that he will. 
But we also have to understand and rest and trust in his sovereignty and his goodness. If he doesn't move in the way that you pray that he will. And that's the hard part. Because you don't know. And I don't know. And sometimes God doesn't change your circumstances. But I can promise you that when God doesn't change your circumstances, he will change you to be able to navigate through those circumstances that didn't change. And somehow, I don't know how, but my family navigated through the death of my brother, and we were somehow able to say still today that God is good, even through that storm. And I know that no matter come what may in your situation, that if God doesn't move in the way that you prayed he would, you will still be able to understand somehow that God is good if your faith is not feelings-based. If your faith is based upon the knowledge of who God is and his attributes and what we know about him and his past faithfulness in his word. If we recognize his attributes, if we understand those things, those things together are what prop us up. It's not just your faith. So many people are worried about their faith getting kicked out from underneath them. I know that, 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 that as, as, as I've wrestled through what we go through with my family, is that, you know, well, what happens if, you know, God doesn't heal and those kind of things? Well, what happens to the kid's faith, you know? Well, here's what I know about our kid's faith is our kid's faith is not just propped up on this word faith. Our kid's faith is propped up on the fact that they understand the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God and the history of God. God has an eternity of past credibility of wonderful things that he's done and the sovereignty. And although you can't see his hand at work sometimes in, the, in, in what's happening in front of you, you can look back and forward and see this invisible, beautiful thread of all that God has been doing. And so, so, you know, if, if something is kicked out from underneath you, you're being supported by the lot and all of who God is in his sovereignty and his goodness and in his word. It's not like a stool where you get your, your, your faith kicked out from underneath you and you collapse. You have the entirety of God underneath you that sustains you. Don't forget that. I'm not suggesting it's easy if that happens. But God is with you. You see, God created this world to be perfect. But as men, as mankind, we messed it up. And that sin corrupted the world. And there's a natural order to this world. There's, it's a fallen world. And that natural order, uh, it unfortunately, you know, has consequences to it. And sometimes God overrides the natural order of life, and he'll perform a miracle in, in situations. But these are exceptions. They're not the rule. But God has the ability to do those exceptions. And when he does these things, he does them always for a greater purpose. Yes, they're for our good, but they're always for a greater purpose and for his glory. And so when we pray, God says when you pray, our job is not to just get God to do our will. Our job is to pray for God's will and adjust ourselves to it. So what we pray for is that God would get glory. And this is what I want you to pray for in your situation. That God would get glory and that it would be his will to bring about, in our case, healing 
for his, for our good and for his greater purpose and greater glory. That we would have the opportunity to proclaim his goodness and the opportunity to leverage that goodness for other people to, great, to grant more hope and to be able to, to, be, to use that in even a greater way for more influence. I pray that he would allow us to be able to do that. Perhaps he'll do that in your life as well. Yeah, it's easy to pray selfishly. Ultimately, Jesus says, not my will, but your will. That's the slowest prayer to come, isn't it? But it's the right prayer to pray. So how do we pray? We're going to talk about that as we close our service out here in the next few minutes. I want you to write something down about how we're supposed to pray. The first thing you need to know about your prayer life is a surrendered life always results in an active prayer life. Remember I said in the beginning of the message that if you struggle to have consistency in your life, it's because either you don't really believe in prayer or it could be that you have self-reliance as an issue. And so this is the first anecdote or the first, uh, anecdote? yeah, I guess prescription you might want to write down, is that a surrendered life always results in an active prayer life, a surrendered life. That means that, that I am giving up self-reliance. I'm saying, I don't have control of my life. I'm going to give you control. I'm not going to try to solve every one of my problems. I'm actually going to say, God, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to try to give you every part of my day. I'm not going to add you as a supplement to my day. I'm going to give you every part of my day and ask you to guide me in every conversation that I have and ask for your hand and your voice and your eyes and your ears to walk me through my day. And so that means that prayer is our declaration of our dependence on God. And so that, that, that being a surrendered life results in an active prayer life means that our prayer is our declaration. Like, Father, I'm here. When I show up to pray in the morning with God, it's my declaration. That, Father, this is my declaration of my dependence on you. That's why I'm here. I'm depending on you. I want to seek your heart. I want to know your mind. I want to know your character. I want to know your nature. I want to know your attributes. And I'm seeking for you to call down your authority in my life, Father. I'm going to seek your word, and I want to discover your will. R.A. Torrey says that prayers that are born from meditation upon God's word are prayers that soar upward most easily to God's listening ear. How beautiful is that? We pray this back to God. My prayer is my declaration of my dependence on God. Father, I'm here this morning because I'm dependent on you. And I'm going to seek this word to know your heart. I'm going to know your character, your attributes. I just need to know you. To understand your will. Write this down. Your prayer should be your highest priority, not your last resort. There's a direct correlation, remember, between a surrendered life and an active prayer life. If you struggle to make prayer a priority, or if it feels like it's just an add-on to your life, then you need to know that you have a surrender problem. So many people say, I'm distracted in my prayer time, or I can't, I don't, I have such a hard time getting up early in the morning. If, if you struggle to win the battle of the blankets in the morning, it's because you struggle with ha- being surrendered to God. The reality is, what's more important to you? 
sleep? Or time with God? If we're surrendered to God, meaning fully dependent on God, and a few extra minutes of sleep are not important to me. I, I gotta get up and I gotta get up because I'm fully dependent on God. This is what I'm praying for you to experience. When we yield our life to God, we naturally want to abide with Him. We naturally want to get up earlier. You see, God gave you and I prayer as a gift, not to be a burden. Those that have a surrendered life to Him understand that. It's not a burden. When you examine Jesus' life, you don't see him ever saying, oh my gosh, I got to get up early. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Oh my gosh, boys, I got to get up really early tomorrow morning to pray. Dude, I got to go to bed early. It's going to be dark when I get up. That sucks. No, <laughs> come on. Jesus never said that, I promise. Wouldn't that be wrong? You know, <laughs> I feel bad even saying it, to be honest. He didn't say that. It was never a burden to him. Why? Was fully dependent on the Father. The disciples watched Jesus every day prioritize prayer. He woke up early to pray. He found time privately to pray. In the middle of his busy day, he would sneak away to pray publicly and privately. So much so that the disciples said, Show me the secret sauce. How do I do it? What is the plan? And so Jesus would pull them together and he would give us this Lord's Prayer that is such a mystery and it's so beautiful, so much packed into it. I could preach four messages on it. And I want you to dig into this even tonight as you go deeper. For the sake of time tonight and for our baptisms, I'm going to have to move a little faster than I want to through this passage. But let's read it together. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. The disciples just asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in synagogues and street corners to be seen by others. And I tell you the truth, that they've received their reward in full. This isn't something you do in front of people for their accolades, for them to celebrate, oh, aren't you some spiritual holy person? But when you pray, here's what you're supposed to do. You go into your room and you close the door and you pray to the Father who's unseen the Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Folks, your time with God should be a time that no one else should be eavesdropping on or paying attention to, not to celebrate who you are. That's why I think the best time for us to chase after God is when everyone's asleep, early in the morning or late, late at night. Whenever you're at your best is when you should chase after God. But it should be a private time with Him. Unhurried, quality, unhindered time. Verse 7, and when you pray, don't just keep babbling like pagans do, for they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. It's not about making showy prayers to God. It's about being transparent to Him and being yourself. This is how you should pray. He wants to remind us about who God is and His authority. He says, our God in heaven, our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed be their name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's just asserting that God's will is done regardless, guys. His will will always be accomplished. So it makes sense for us to get on His agenda and His plan and submit ourselves to His will. We're not here to tell God what to do and, and have God adjust His will to us. 
We're to adjust our will to Him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, and, and, and I think it's important to know how we pray. We pray to the Father. And, and semantics matter. We teach our kids to pray. I know it's sweet to say, dear Jesus, but really, honestly, we say we pray to the Father. And we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, through the Holy Spirit. We need to get that in the right order. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And forgive other people when they sin against you. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Did you hear that? Forgiveness is necessary for God to forgive us. But if you don't forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. I don't know if you're aware of this, and I think it's kind of fascinating, but if you were to just Google the word unforgiveness, is unforgiveness a word? You're going to find out unforgiveness is not a word. Bamboozle is a word. <laughs> Befuddled is a word. Snaggletooth is a word. Unforgiveness is not a word. If you just Google it, is, is unforgiveness a word? No, it's not actually a word. Is it possible that that's not a word and God just said, I'm not going to make it a word just so that you understand that it's not an option? I don't know. That's just a little two cents there for you. Verse 16, when you fast, prayer and fasting are connected. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. Sometimes God's going to call you to fast. He wants you to fast for something. It means that there's something really heavy, really big. It's not just praying. I want you to actually sacrifice food as you're going through this so that you can focus on me. Don't be like the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. I'm starving. Truly, I tell you that they've received their full reward. But when you fast, I want you to put oil on your head and wash your face. Look as good as you can. So it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father, who's unseen. And your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Prayer, private time with God, seeking His face, knowing His heart, searching His word, understanding His will, forgiving others, confessing your sins, asking boldly, praying and fasting. So much is inside this passage of Scripture. But only a surrendered life who has yielded to an active prayer life will ever discover the mysteries that are solved here for you. If you treat prayer as an additive to your life and you work it in where you can and only in the things that you feel like you really need help with, you will miss out and you will never understand what it means to have great power that yields wonderful results. It will always leave you lacking. The great E.M. Bounds, in a book that I have read now six times in the last three months, believe it or not, crazy, crazy. He wrote it in 1907. It's directed to pastors on prayer. And he says, I'm convinced that the greatest impediments to achieving spiritual power through prayer are self-reliance and lack of earnestness. And they're fueled by hurriedness and impatience. <laughs> we must not be self-reliant. And we must not hurry through our time with God. I think we, laugh, we lack confidence in our ability to hear God because somehow deep down inside, 
you know that you haven't really spent time with God in an unhurried fashion, that you've kind of moved through it quickly. And when you have to make a big decision, you're not confident in that decision because you feel like you've sped through your time with God. Because you've just kind of randomly searched scriptures and I just feel like I, I, I lack the ability to hear from him because you have an abiding problem. I lack the ability to discern things or, because I have an abiding problem. A surrendered life will always yield an active prayer life. And so if you want to, if you want to be able to hear God clearly, surrender to him and, and, and show up for prayer, declaring your dependence on him, saying, I'm here. And it may take you a month of doing that before you'll get into a rhythm of saying, okay, now I know why I'm here. It may be hard at first, but it'll be really well worth it. So hear my heart. A 15-minute prayer time or a mini devotional moment or a just a little microwave minute that you spend with God is never going to be adequate and never will replace abiding moments with God. There's no substitute. There's no quick, easy method. There's no rapid charger to be able to have the invisible power that God can offer to you. The only way you're going to hear from God is to put in the hard work of your own by digging and searching and seeking. Seeking God like you're looking for a buried treasure, a treasure that will cause you to lose sleep, a treasure that will cause you to skip meals, a treasure that will make you wait patiently, a treasure that will cause you to suffer and sacrifice, a treasure that will cost you a high personal cost and even potentially make you risk your life. There's a direct correlation between a surrendered life and an active prayer life. And if you want an active prayer life, one where you can have confidence to lean into faith, it begins with surrender. And I pray that you would surrender that. Let me pray for you. Father, as we close our service out today, as we sing this one final song about your authority, God, There's brothers and sisters in this room, Lord, that need that one word from you to change things. They need that one word, Father. And today they have evaluated in their heart and in their prayer whether or not they believe in, in prayer. And today they, they first need to surrender themselves to you and say, yes, I'm going to completely yield to you. And I'm going to completely trust. Oh, I'm going to completely trust. I'm going to pray this big prayer. Lord, I, I need you to come through on it. I need you to come through on it because, oh, Lord, if you don't, I don't I, I'm nervous, God, because there's no way it can happen any other way. But I'm going to trust that you're going to come through. My faith is built around you, Lord, not around this situation. My hope is in you, not around this situation. But, oh, I'm trusting that you will do it. I know that you can. I pray that you will. But I'm trusting in you, Father, even if you don't, that you're going to figure out a way to help me navigate the circumstances and change me to walk through those circumstances. So God, help me to trust you in this way. Give me a surrendered life so I can declare my full dependence on you as a daily, in my daily life of prayer to be able to walk daily in a life of prayer 
so that no matter what I face, God, I can have this attitude, big or small, whatever I'm facing, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and worship.